Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. everybody welcome into another edition of the three technique a college football podcast at the intersection of the x's and o's and the jimmies and the joes today we are talking all things college football playoff we're taking it to the theoretical realm as uh, you've probably heard last week news broke that the college football playoff committee had uh, been tinkering with the five plus seven model with the pac-12 obviously no longer existing in college football and now there's a potential expansion to 14 teams on the horizon as well. Trey and I are here to break it all down, talk about what it means for the state of college football, what's the right answer, what we definitely think is the wrong answer as well. And, you know, Trey, this isn't exactly breaking news. It happened last week. Uh, but to really get analytical, I think, about the state of college football, ha- taking a little bit of time to think through that, not a bad thing and when it comes to the research that you've done we're going to get to in the second segment uh, sometimes you just need a little bit of time to put that together yeah it was really eye-opening just to tease that second segment we went all the way back to 1998 so 26 seasons of data points that's the year that the bcs started the first year that we got a true one versus two national championship game and i said okay using this format the five plus seven format what would a 12-team playoff look like all the way back to 1998? Some fascinating discoveries, some really interesting matchups. Can't wait to talk about that in the second segment, but we'll break down what all this means first. Yeah, right off the top, uh, we're gonna get in, going to get into what the 5 plus 7 model currently looks like. If we feel like that's the right decision, as the committee's already toying with throwing it out the window, and Trey, we haven't even gotten to see it on the field quite yet. Uh Someone that I know would love to see as many teams included as possible is our good friends over at homefieldapparel.com. The good brand is doing the Lord's work when it comes to collegiate apparel, retro logos, left, right, and center. 
Trey, I just saw that they partnered with Hendrick Motorsports. So if you're I, NASCAR, I was going to bring that up. That, those, if you're that, a NASCAR fan, wow. yeah, get in on the action, man. They, I tell you what, uh, not a NASCAR fan currently, but I was when I was younger. The Jeff Gordon collection that they've going, oh, like the I, bomber I jacket been, with the multicolors is. Sick. Oh, the Dupont rainbow color scheme is iconic. Uh, Good brand has it for you. You can get a fifteen percent off discount when you use code Three Tech Pod at checkout if you're a first-time customer. If you are a return customer, like I know so many of you are, uh, use the code that's in our link tree. You can find that link in the description on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. It'll get you the discount right there as well. No matter which team you root for, Homefield has got a t-shirt, a jacket, a long sleeve, a dad hat for you. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com to find all of that. Five plus seven model. Trey, it is cutting edge. It is uh, ruffled a lot of feathers around the timeline. I, I made this tweet last week when this news really broke. I started to see so many pro BCS era model tweets on my timeline, and I did not understand what I was looking for. For maybe the people at home that uh, need a refresher course, when we say five plus seven, what exactly do we mean? Yeah, so we mean that Obviously, a 12-team playoff, that's what 5 plus 7 equals. Five highest-rated conference champions are going to get in automatically. And the next seven teams are going to be just at-large. They can be from any conference, a wild card, if you prefer to call it that. The top four seeds, they have to be conference champions. They'll get a bye onto the quarterfinal rounds. And then the remaining eight will be matched up, 5-12, 11-6, so on and so forth. With that first round being played on campus this year, it's going to be right before Christmas, so December 20th through 21st on campus in the elements in a lot of these cases, right? If we have a northern team that's hosting sure. a southern team, I'm really excited about that wrinkle of this, and it's going to last a full month. I'm really interested to see you know, how these coaches really figure out how to keep kids focused for that long with the holidays in the middle and all the distractions that can come with that. We're starting on December 20th. The national championship won't be until – Monday, January 20th, 2025. So a full month of playoff instead of just, what, 10 days that we got um, in recent years. So vastly, vastly expanded in that in that aspect as well. So I guess my first question is, as, as we look at this model, the Pac-12 is gone. So you've got four power conferences, um, and then you've got the top, you know, quote, group of five conference. Uh, that's going to get a champion and will get an automatic berth, whether that's the American, the Sun Belt, um, you know, Conference USA, if if Liberty's feeling plucky, right? My question to you is, with the absence of the Pac-12, does 5 plus 7 still make sense to you, or do you really feel like it's uh, maybe doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter? It would have been the same with the Pac-12, et cetera. I think so. I think five plus seven is the right way to go. It was six plus six to account for the full power five and one G five. I think it's really important to get that G five auto bid in here because that's over half of the teams in the FBS level, right? That's over half of the fan bases. That's we've talked about this a lot. You can alienate one or two fan bases and these fan bases by themselves, you know, the SMUs, I guess they're, power five now yeah, they're the acc now the two lanes the boise states the you know air force academies those teams of the world by themselves they don't amount to much by themselves they're just kind of drops in the buckets but together 
that's millions of fans that you'd be alienating that they just don't have access realistically to this playoff if you don't give that auto bid. So I think that fifth uh, conference auto bid is very, very important to keeping everybody nationally engaged. And I think it's just the right thing to do. I think we see it in the NCAA basketball tournament all the time. These mid-majors come in there, get really fired up and knock off power programs that do it year in and year out. Is number 12 going to beat five every year? Probably not. It's going to happen once in every 10 years. Maybe not even that. But imagine the first time a 12 knocks off a five. It's going to be bigger than when a 16 knocks off a one in the NCAA tournament from a talent discrepancy standpoint and just a resource discrepancy standpoint. I'm all for it. I think that's a, the right move for this uh, going forward. I, I The only real argument that I feel like BCSers or four-team playoff uh, members have had is that if you consistently award a group of five team access, or if you give multiple group of five teams access with an expanded field, in this case, 12, that they're just going to get run every single time, right? I mean, I, yes, we saw what happened to Liberty when they played against Oregon, Cincinnati playing against Alabama in the playoff. But, we, and we've said this over and over again, you don't hear that same argument in any other sport. Ah, well, it should just be division champions. You shouldn't have wild cards. Make it in. In MLB, we just had the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, who were both wild card teams, run all the way to the World Series, almost went undefeated until they got to the World Series. Uh, and, and then, you know, Rangers took care of business and, and claimed that, that championship. It was exciting for the sport. I don't care what you... Uh, what you say with the TV numbers, baseball has been declining in TV numbers anyway. So to say that that's, you know, a, a result of that, I think is, is errant logic. But to me as a sports fan, and even if it's not my team, that's what makes the playoffs exciting. If we were just awarding championships based off of seeding, based off of who finishes first in the regular season, the number one seed in the NFL feels like they get knocked off almost every single year, right? The Ravens didn't make it this year. The 49ers didn't win the Super Bowl. It's the Kansas City Chiefs that everyone was saying, up, oh, they're washed, can't, can't stop the run. Patrick Mahomes seems to have lost a step. His wide receivers are terrible. They still came out on top. I know it's not a one-to-one -one comparison in the college game, but for everyone that wants to say, no, four is the right solution, or heck, let's just go back to a computer model where we pick the, the first and second team, I don't see that anywhere else in sports, professional or otherwise. Well, to give you just a great example, I was talking to my wife about this. She was you know, watching me do this research and just really questioning my life decisions. And I was trying to explain you know, this journey that we've been on over the last 26 years in college football, how before the BCS, we didn't even have a true national championship game. It was just who the pollsters yeah. thought was the best. And they just voted and we had shared national championships and everybody was fine with that. And then we get a national championship game. Then we go up to four because there's multiple instances where there's more than two undefeated teams in power conferences. And then we go up to now 12 and she as a non-big college football fan, I've been trying my hardest, but as a non-big college football fan, she's just like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Like, it just makes sense to expand that access. And it's just always struck me as odd, the elitist mindset of the college football national championship, that it's just somehow more prestigious than the other sports. 
12 out of 135 or however many FBS teams we have now. 33, I think. Yeah, and adding every year with, you know, Delaware and Kennesaw State coming yep. soon. 12 out of that number is still way, way, way below the percentage of, you know, any other sport that you want to talk about. So I, I think it still has – the regular season still going to matter. It's good to reward a group of five team that has a great season. I would even toy around with the thought of expanding. If you go undefeated on your schedule, maybe you should get an auto bid, regardless of what conference you're in. I, like To me, you can only beat the teams in front of you, and if you beat every team in front of you, throw them out there. I don't care. Like that. That's, that's part of the game. I think it's good to reward these teams for historic seasons for their program. I, I can hear all the naysayers immediately bringing up Michigan's cupcake non-conference schedule, the bye week that the SEC installs with their FCS opponents in November. I, I can hear all of that. You know, the the other thing that I think really goes in favor of the expansion to 12, I would say no further than 12, but the expansion to 12 is the parody in college football, Trey. Yeah. On one hand, you have naysayers of this system say that we have had we've never had more parity in the game than we do right now and there are some big time analysts and big time show hosts that make that point on almost every single one of their shows that anyone truly can beat anyone on any given saturday because of the dispersion of talent how nil has actually worked to spread opportunity around yes there are still the blue blood programs but it has not been a death nail for competition at the FBS level. And on the other hand, they will turn around and say, well, should just be one and two, right? Unless you went undefeated, unless the computer model gives you a thousand points, you shouldn't be able to play for a national championship. That just, to me, does not compute. And I've tried to see it from both ways. Obviously, I am a firm believer in this 12-team model. But to me, like, like your wife said, that just doesn't, makes sense to to talk out of both sides of your mouth like that yeah and going forward it, it's re- going to be really interesting to see how nil and the transfer portal continue to impact because we've already seen the talent dispersion we've already seen the alabamas in the world knock down a peg or two and we've seen consistent programs rise to the top like michigan for years was just a step away and they commit to their program. They commit to the same coach and they finally get there in 2023 prime example of they would be in the playoff. A lot of those seasons that seem like disappointments and it's going to take programs a while. You're going to get to the playoffs a few years in a row, slowly build that program eventually and maybe have a breakthrough season. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. It's also going to be more difficult on those power programs to win four games in a row against top 10 competition, right? Mm-hmm. No, none of those teams are doing that. Even in the SEC where we like to tout the schedule, strength of schedule and how all the teams are more talented in the NFL draft rankings. You're still not playing four top 10 teams in a row to get to the national championship. That's just not happening right now. So it's going to be fascinating to see how those teams react to that. And for all the people that want to go back to the BCS, might want to tune into our second segment because I really don't think you're going to like the results of using the BCS standings. Those group of five teams that you want to knock down and not include, you're going to have more than just one if you use the BCS standings because it really valued uh, 
straight up winning percentage a lot more than we do today in those conferences. Yeah, some staggering results when you when you put it all out there. I'm excited to get to that in just a minute. The last thing that I, I kind of want to pitch to you here in this first segment, there's been a lot of discussion over expanding it already past 12 teams, and, and we're going to talk about the validity of that here at the end of the show. But one thing that stuck out to me as a possible solution if they stay at 12 teams was an idea that came from Tony Petiti, Big Ten's commissioner, throwing out the idea of more automatic qualifiers. That five automatic qualifiers isn't enough, especially considering that the Big Ten and the SEC, the two super conferences, will now have a combined 34 teams. Really feels like the rich trying to get richer here by uh, expanding auto bids past winning a conference championship. Yeah, Tony, no one asked you to expand to 18 teams. Like, no one in the college football world wanted that, and you just decided to do it anyways, and you killed, maybe killed college football in a third of the country um, in doing so. So forgive me for not automatically lining up to give you more auto bids when you made this problem (laughs) for yourself. I have an idea, Mitch. Maybe we should split the Big Ten into two regional focus conferences. We could call one the Big Ten and maybe one, like there's a lot out in the Pacific, so maybe we could call it like the Pacific Ten, and they could play for an auto bid, and the Big Ten can play for an auto <laughs> bid, and then we're all happy, right? Uh, we we could be. You know, if 10's too many, I think the Pac-8 might work as well. Might work. You can you know, throw Oregon State and Washington State in there. I don't think they have a home right now. They don't. They don't. They're they're uh, messing around with the, the Mountain West kind of, uh, like a cousin schedule right now. Like, yeah, we're related sort of kind of not really. Um, no, I, I agree. I think it's, I don't get it. I, I don't, you know, and, and a quote that stuck out to me from Petiti, he seemed like he was preemptively trying to cut the naysayers off going, this isn't, this isn't about financials. This is about access. This is about access, not financials. Sure. Tony access equals financials <laughs> when it comes to revenue in the college football playoff universe, my guy, like we're not that stupid. We can, we can put two and two together and see when you're trying to make it five. Um, so yeah, to me, it's, uh, it's an answer to a question that nobody was asking. Um, like you said, the big 10, it, you know, really was the aggressor here when they went and helped blow up the pack, the pack 12. So I'm, I am absolutely against giving out any sort of automatic qualifiers. I also don't get the logic that Tony tried to give us that more automatic qualifiers means that uh, end of year games matter all the much more. If a team is, you know, the big game comes down to automatic qualifiers. I, there's a good chance that there's an automatic qualifier coming out of there anyway on, on most years because one of those teams has a really good chance to go win the Big Ten championship game. The other, though, they may not be playing for an automatic qualifier if they lose, but boy, they've got to kind of look over their shoulder if they're inside the top 12, realizing they might just drop out. Yeah, and it still just doesn't make sense from a conference that will get multiple teams in every single year. I don't think the Big Ten needs to be concerned about the number of teams they're going to get in. And the SEC is the same way. They're going to lead the way every single year. And they are not going to have to worry about having multiple teams in. They're going to have at least two, probably three or four each every single year. And why do we need to put that in writing? Why do we have to protect 
what if you have another year like 2012? That's going to be one of the most interesting ones I break down in a second where your top teams are ineligible for the playoff and it would have been an eight and four auto bid from the Big Ten. Like, no, I don't need that. Like, yeah, that's just so current mindset. And I get that the Big Ten and the SEC are setting themselves up for future dominance. I get that. But college football is so fickle and can change on a dime of who is just, especially in an NIL area where whoever wants to pony up can be really good, really fast, or at least have the talent and resources to do it. It's just so, it would be so short sighted to guarantee two or three conferences, multiple auto bids when in two or three years, they could not be the top dogs. I know that's not, doesn't sound likely right now, but when we get into this research in a second, you'll see that, it can happen and it can happen really quickly. I think Louisville is a great example of that, right? They really, really struggled the past several years, made a coaching change. Their NIL program gets rolling and suddenly they're competing for an ACC championship game. They're in the running outside shot for a playoff berth uh, until late in the season. Clemson Clemson wouldn't have made the, uh, even the 12 team playoff until they made their first 14 playoff in 2015. And yep. we saw the run of dominance that they had for five or six years. And now we're questioning, are they going to continue to dominate? Right. All right. We, we absolutely are. All right. I'm ready to get to your research. Let's take a quick break on the other side. Trey has a treasure trove, multiple spreadsheets. We're going to break it all down and get into it on the other side of this break. Well, Trey has put together a treasure trove of inf- information. He's gone back. Since the BCS era even started, all the way back to when we got away from the pollsters, we told the AP, hey, thanks for your service, but we'd like to play this game out for real. And he's put together what a 12-team playoff would have looked like for each and every one of those seasons, the 5 plus 7 model. Trey, this is some of the most fascinating research that we've put together on our show in the three years that we've been doing this. And as the mastermind, as the architect behind this, I'm excited to turn it over to you. Yeah, man, it was really, really fun to take a trip down memory lane with all this. And this is my favorite possibility of the college football multiverse. I wish that this was our reality, maybe some other uh, alternate dimension. This is the reality. We skipped the BCS. We skipped the four teamer. But if we did that, all the way back to 1998, there's some fascinating things that would have happened. And it left me wondering just what college football would look like today. Would we have these this super conference movement? Would we have teams more willing to stay put and be the dominant force in like the Mountain West? So we'll talk about TCU in a little bit as a real winner of all this research. I'll start with last year. You've probably seen this graphic. A lot of people, I had to laugh at ESPN the other day when this broke, I was in the office and we keep ESPN on in the office and they still had the six plus six model uh, that, that they'd probably had, you know, good to go for all of the, for a year. long time. And they were talking about it, like, Oh, this is what it is. And I just laughed at him. Cause I like, no, that's literally invalid because of the story that you just talked about, but <laughs> I plus seven model for all of this, just a quick disclaimer. I did pretend like the PAC 12 didn't exist. So if a team from the Pac-12 was going to get an auto bid, they had to be the champion of their new conference and the highest ranked team of the new conference. I think that makes sense to look back at because we've just never lived in a reality with only four power conferences. And I wanted to kind of keep the spirit of there's going to be four power conference champions and a group of five champion. Yeah. Even in the years where that wasn't really a thing. So last year we still get Michigan, Texas, and Alabama in the top four, 
But Florida State jumps into the top four as an auto bid moving into the quarterfinals because, again, Washington, while they went undefeated, lower ranked than Michigan. So I took Michigan over Washington as the Big Ten's auto bid. They're going to host Liberty. Ole Miss is going to go to Georgia. Penn State's going to go to Ohio State. And Missouri is going to travel to Oregon. I know the first thing that people that are against the playoff will say, bring up is, Trey, that's two rematches, right? That's two games that we saw Penn State at Ohio State. We saw that on the field. Ohio State dominated. We saw Ole Miss at Georgia. Georgia dominated. Okay, cool. Flip Ole Miss and Penn State. But it, that's the beauty of having a committee, right? Like we can just flip those. Then we get Ole Miss at Ohio State, which I think would be a very interesting game with how that Ole Miss-Penn State game turned out. Yep. And then you get Penn State at Georgia, which I think Georgia wins that one pretty handily last year, but yeah. you never know, right? But that Ole Miss-Ohio State game all of a sudden is – one of the more interesting games on the whole college football calendar playing for the right to play Texas in one of the B, uh, big six bowl games. I, I love it, man. I, it's, it's very, it's a lot of fun to look at as college football purists that we are. Uh, and you know, you go back and look and, and I still think it protects the integrity of the game that the, the yeah. playoff committee shattered last year when they left Florida state out. Um, it gives you wiggle room to avoid matchups, to to play with some seating here and there, but ultimately rewards excellence on the field throughout the regular season in giving uh, conference champions an auto buy, right? Um, or the top four anyway. And you get to play for your seed uh, in the top 12. You don't win your conference championship. Okay, fine. You're a Georgia. You shouldn't have missed the playoff last year. Let's be honest. Georgia was one of the top four best teams in the country, they would come in as a six seed. They're punished for losing that SEC championship game. They do have to play that first round game. Maybe they're playing a Penn State. Maybe they're playing an Ole Miss. It doesn't matter. Point is, any given Saturday, you can line up and lose a football game. And the Alabama Crimson Tide proved that in the SEC championship game. I, I think it's a, I think it's a very solid model. It's at least amazing food for thought here in the off season. I started clicking through some of these years and stop me if 2022 or 2021 has your attention, but I was clicking through and in the COVID season, you have the COVID some, season is insane. I, you like, have I, some fascinating names in those top 12. <laughs> the COVID season is just a fever dream, man. I mean, I, <laughs> like the Pac-12 barely played, the Big Ten barely played. It's hard to take a lot of this into account, but just for fun. You get Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma as your top four. So Notre Dame, again, Notre Dame, just pause to talk about them for a second. The way it's set up right now, the best they can do is the five seed because yeah. they are not in a conference. They therefore cannot win a conference championship. I guess theoretically in 2020, if they beat Clemson, they're the ACC champions. But again, fever dream season. Don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But Notre Dame who ended number four is going to drop down to five. They would host coastal Carolina who did not get an auto bid. They actually were not, they would have been the sixth conference champion, but they were ranked 12th in the final playoff poll. Indiana at Texas A&M. Okay. Um, Michael Penix State, Jr. Baby. Yeah. Indiana. Jr. Making his playoff debut at Indiana, Iowa state, Brock Purdy and Brees Hall traveling to face Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony at Florida. And then Georgia and Cincinnati, who actually played in the Peach Bowl, I believe, that year, 
that game would take place at Nippert Stadium. So how cool would that be to see the dogs go up to Cincinnati when Cincinnati was still a member of the American? I, I just how do you look at this and go, no, man, I'm good. <laughs> give me give me the BCS. I you get the integrity of the game is protected here. The, pe- the people that don't want this hate fun. I'm just fully convinced that they would rather go back to 1950 where we had like three teams on TV and yeah. they just knew what they were going to get every week. This is so fun. Like even if these games turn into blowouts, you could tell me, you could paint a narrative that Brock Purdy and Brees Hall go into the swamp and knock off Florida, right? Like that. And I would say that's the one time they ever would have made it. So how big of a deal is it for that fan base to get a playoff game at Florida and something to rally around? That was their one chance in this 26-year sample size. So why do we want to take that away from a fan base just because they weren't, quote-unquote, like a yearly power, right? Like let these teams that come up or build for one year or rise up for one year, let them have their fun. This is about fun at the end of the day, and this is really fun. To keep pulling on that thread on the other sideline, imagine if Dan Mullen has a playoff appearance and and possibly a playoff win. Who knows if he's if he's still in Florida, right? It would change so much of this would change how we view everything. And that's what I'm fascinated about going forward. Going back in time made me realize, okay, coaches that would have made a playoff, right? How far does Jim in this 2021 that we're talking about, how far does Jimbo Fisher go? They beat Indiana at home. Then they get Ohio State that got waxed by Alabama in the championship game and had only played like six games that year. Are they in the semifinals playing Trevor Lawrence and Clemson for a spot at a rematch at Alabama? And then what does that do to buy goodwill for Jimbo Fisher going forward? You can write that story for so many different coaches if you go back and play the what-if game. What if we had a 12-team playoff? Yeah. yeah. Dan Mullen, talking about Dan Mullen, he would have taken Mississippi State to the playoff. With Dak True. Prescott, does he leave for Florida or does he keep building Mississippi State into another power thinking I can get into the playoff every year here? Yeah. I, the the notion that this somehow hurts college football is so backwards to me. Uh, you should, if you should still get a one true champion at the end of this, right? Uh, do they have to be the, quote, best team in college football? No. It's the team that was the hottest at the end of it. They did all the work to get into the playoffs. And that's okay. And like, that is a whole okay. segment of people that don't think that's okay and are really uncomfortable with that idea. You have the right to your opinion, and I have the right to say that I think you're wrong. Because I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. on the field. We played the games on the field. Right. And we would rather – it seems to me that that segment would rather think, okay – a 12 and 0 Ohio state that played through the big 10 won all their games and, you know, didn't get a chance to play a nine and three old miss that old miss looked really good throughout the year. And maybe could exploit some matchups. Well, we're okay with Ohio state never being tested in that way. Just to say that we had an undefeated champion like that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And it never and listen, will. <laughs> and listen, I know if you're a, uh, an anti-expansionist. If you if you're one of those people that wants to go back to the BCS, I know it sounds like an echo chamber here. So write us in uh, at Three Tech Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. You can leave a comment in the YouTube section. We I would love to hear from you and continue to hear from you because those 
discussions that I have had with fans, with other folks that I've worked with in the industry of college sports, it, it gets to a point where I feel like they run out of ammunition. And I feel like there's really no other answer. Their pros list is so much shorter than mine. Um, but again, personal preference, maybe that's an anecdotal example. So, so right into the show, we'd love to hear from you. Um, 2018 is interesting because UCF has hung a banner that they're a national champion, right? After going undefeated, they would be the eight seed in the 2018 year. They would host a 10 and three Washington squad. And if they won that, they would get a date with the top team in the land and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, suddenly, Trey, hanging a, a fictitious banner uh, seems a lot less doable if you're actually getting to, to you know, put the Dukes up against Nick Saban. And not to dunk on our friends that are anti-expansion again, but I feel like the Venn diagram of people that are anti-expansion and were extra annoyed by UCF putting up that banner is a circle. I think it's just all the same people. And so why are you against them getting their teeth kicked in by Alabama? Let them prove it, right? Are we scared that UCF is going to beat Alabama? Like, I, I don't know. Like, let's just let that happen on the field. Uh, other notable teams that I found when I was clicking through this, Western Michigan makes it in 2016. They went 13-0. and Colorado makes it that same year. Their one year of success since the early 2000s, right? They go 10-3. and They would have been a 10 seed against a Michigan Wolverines squad. Uh, and then going back to 2014, the first year that we had the college football playoff, TCU and Baylor famously get the bird from the playoff committee, they both get left out when I think everybody universally agreed one of them should have been in. Baylor would have been the four seed in this universe, taking on the winner of Ohio State and Boise State. TCU would have been the six seed, having to play, in your model, a nine and three Kansas State squad. Yeah, and it would have been a rematch. So again, if you don't like rematches, switch TCU with Arizona, who again, Arizona would have been in the- Hello. At playoff that year. Hello. And as well as both Mississippi schools, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. 2014 was a wild time, man. That feels like so much longer than 10 years ago. Um, but again, that was also a year that Oregon jumped in and stole the Big Tens out of bits. So that's why Ohio State's not in the top four. I have them as the five seed. Again, pretending like the Pac-12 didn't exist and using the Pac-12's new conferences. Oregon was ranked higher, so they get the back uh, Big Tens auto bid. Ohio State's consolation prize, which interesting enough to me, is that five seed? I know you have to play an extra game. Is the five seed desirable if you're not going to be one or two? Would you prefer to be five? Because you get to finish my thought on Ohio State, they get a relic like I'm not gonna say it's a zero percent chance. They would play Boise State more often than not. If you're that five seed, you're gonna get a home game against the G5s national champion right so probably the 25 20 to 25 ranked team maybe 15 if if it's a really good season for that g5 team i like you get that home game and then you're playing the four seed that more often than not was a conference champion that leapfrogged into the top four so you're not even playing a true top four team most of the time and you're getting an extra week to work out the kinks almost like that. You're not going to be as rusty as that four seed. I don't know. Like if I'm not going to be the top seed, I kind of like that five spot. That's a fascinating question. I think especially about getting, you know, 
getting the rust off, quote unquote. Now it's different than it is in baseball, but again, going back to the MLB, there's actually a movement to get rid of the first round by that division or the, the, uh, what is it? The top, is it the top two top two uh, records? Yeah, Yeah. In the AL and NL get, because you you're starting to see a trend of those top two seeds going down in the ALDS. And the argument is they've sat around for a week. The bats get cold. The pitchers lose their rhythm. And meanwhile, you've got the Rangers and the Diamondbacks who had to fight for just their survival getting into the playoffs. They take that momentum into a wild card series. They get right. The Rangers bats got hot. The Diamondbacks were striking everybody out left and right. And suddenly you go into an ALDS or an NLDS with momentum on the side of the lower seed. I think that's a fascinating point uh, for the five seed that maybe if you don't get that first round by it, it might be an absolute dogfight to be the fifth best team in the country, which how ironic is that? And for all the people that say that regular season doesn't matter, it will matter to be in five versus six is going to be a big difference. And six versus seven is going to be a big difference because the drop off, I think in the matchup between facing number two and facing number three or four, I think is going to be huge most years, especially in the years where there's multiple teams in the top four that don't win their conference and the top four of the rankings going into conference championship week, conference championship week is going to be the most fascinating week every single year. It's going to be like the conference tournaments in basketball where there's bid thieves and teams sneaking in. And I can't wait for that aspect of this. Yeah, imagine an eight and four Iowa somehow knocks off Michigan, right? And suddenly they're in. They're the big 10 right. champ, baby. They're, they're sneaking in as the 12 seed and knocking somebody else out. Yeah. So anyway, just a, a fascinating theoretical discussion there. Now, as we mentioned, you took this all the way back to 1998. The intention here is not to go year by year and analyze all the picks, but there are some interesting facts that that you found along the way especially going into the bcs era plus you put together kind of a summary right all-time conference leaders uh in appearances i'd love to dive more into that as well yeah so we'll start individual teams first and foremost and i don't think this should surprise many people but ohio state and oklahoma are running away with the most appearances so again 26 possible years to make it Ohio State made it 20 of those 26 possible years. Just an insane level of just high-level consistency. And one of the years, they weren't eligible. They went 12-0. and So that could be 21 out of 26 very easily. Oklahoma, 17 out of 26. Again, just very consistently good. They had that long run of Big 12 Conference Championships where they're getting the uh, auto bid for the Big 12. And, you know just consistently really good and maybe not the nat- total number of national championships to show for it, like in Alabama or like a Georgia or some of these other teams, but consistently very, very good and consistently showing up in the playoffs. Other teams in the top 10 that surprised me though, you've got Alabama at three with 14 total appearances. That number might seem low to people, but remember the two thousands were not kind to the oh. Alabama Crimson Tide before Nick Saban showed up in 2007 that was a rough, rough time to be an Alabama fan. So they get 14. Georgia's at 13. Florida at 11. Oregon at 11. How about Kansas State? <laughs> Seventh all-time in college football 12-team playoff appearances with 10. They're tied with USC and LSU. 
It's incredible. And a, and a best seed possibility of three. Yeah. Best seed is three. Worst seed's 11. So they've kind of done the whole thing of getting the auto bid and also barely sneaking in. But just, uh, first of all, Bill Snyder is the GOAT. Like I, I, Nick Saban is the GOAT, but like Bill Snyder has a legit claim to that with what he was able to do at Kansas State and get all those hypothetical playoff appearances and real conference championships. Um, going down the list a little bit, tied for 10th with Michigan and Notre Dame. How about TCU? Yeah. Nine appearances, first one being in 2000. I mean, this makes me ask the question. And as I was going through this, I asked the question a lot. What would college football look like if we started this in 1998? Would we still have similar conferences to what we have in 1998? I think some realignment still would have happened. Sure. The drama that led A&M and Missouri to go to the SEC and Nebraska to go to the Big Ten, I don't think you're really fixing that yeah. with a 12-team playoff. But everything else, like TCU, do they jump to the Big Ten when they already have five or six playoff appearances as a member of the Mountain West and Conference USA? I don't know. Do they just want to be that big fish? Um, Utah is the same way. They have quite a few appearances from before they went to the Pac-12. Boise State has a ton. I know they're still in a group of five conference, but they clearly in this era have been the premier, most consistent group of five team with uh, eight possible 12-team playoff appearances. So there's just a ton of fascinating teams that pop up in here. Clemson, like I mentioned earlier, wouldn't have gotten their first one since 20 uh, until 2015. So we think of them as this huge power program they really built themselves up really recently. And then when you scroll down, like I ranked them all by total appearances, just the teams that would have gotten a chance. I think we said what 70 total teams would have gotten a chance to compete at least once, but your Virginia's your Tulane's your um, Illinois, BYU, Maryland, Washington state, all these teams, Miami, Ohio, all these teams that get a chance to show out on the biggest stage in college football. That's what it's all about right? This is inclusive of those teams. Would any of those win a national championship in the year that they were in? No, there's no way, but they get a chance to compete for one and hopefully build their program off of that and maybe build to something more than just an appearance. Um, if they get their shot. Yeah. I think you've got, I think you've even got the Randy Moss Marshall team. Yeah. Randy Moss as well. Right. Like, Again, who doesn't want to see that? Two things. One, I agree with your point that some realignment still happens, right? Money is money. Uh, that's at the heart of this realignment, right, is, is is the cash, the TV deals that go along with being in the SEC, with being in the Big Ten now. But to your point, I think this model protects regionality in a way that has been thrown to the wolves in college sports. If there are avenues to have competitive football no matter where you are in the country and play for a championship, have a chance for your games and your schedule to matter. I think we get to protect regionality uh, despite the, the expansion to 12 teams. So, you know, again, I just think it's another point in the favor of this expansion. Now, listen, regionality is largely gone. I think there's a chance that in this new order of college football, you kind of have the haves and for lack of a better term, the have-nots. But boy, I think regionality is coming back to everyone that isn't going to realistically be able to compete for a national championship on a year-in, year-out basis, right? Like, you cannot tell me 
that the Sun Belt is not a blast to watch each and every week. That the American or heck Conference USA is, is trying to rebuild. We had, we'd thrown them to the wolves and they are doing their absolute best to rebuild the storylines in each of those conferences are what makes college football great. And, and we all want to pay attention to them each and every week, regardless of if New Mexico state gets to play for a national championship game or not. And again, I keep beating this drum, but you cannot alienate millions of fans and expect this machine to keep on churning. You just can't. And going up a level, if the power wannabe power programs of the world that are a step below the what we would call the blue buds right now, if we kept a four team or a two team situation and they we those programs just realized we're never gonna make that cut, right? They're eventually gonna give up and they're gonna stop poking it. And this whole machine is just gonna crash. You need everybody, you need everybody to have access to this tournament, in my opinion to keep this machine rolling. And I think this 12 team playoff gives us just that. Well, there you go. Uh, Trey's going to put uh, a number of these graphics on Twitter. So another reason to be following us at three tech pod again, so much data, it, it would be impossible to sort through all of it, show all of it here on YouTube or on the podcast side. So we've decided to spare you all from the <laughs> library of Congress reading that that could have been, but head on over to at three tech pod if you'd like to see more, uh, Trey's going to be putting all of that work out there uh, for your review. Would love to hear your feedback on it. Let's take one more break. On the other side, we'll quickly discuss an expansion past 12 teams. Why on earth are we messing with it before the system's even been implemented? Don't go anywhere. Welcome right. back. Final segment here on today's episode, breaking down the college football playoff committee updates. And in this final segment, Trey... We're, we're already messing with potentially a good thing before it's even been put out on the field. A 12-team playoff is rumored to be uh, being tinkered with. We're trying to expand it to 14, maybe 16 teams in 2026. Uh, it seems that this is a true uprising and another power grab from the SEC and, and namely the Big Ten, who seems like they're spearheading this to get more of their teams access to the college football playoff when access really isn't a problem as it stands right now. No, it's not. Again, like I said in our first segment, they will never have a problem with being the top dogs. They are going to the big 10 and the sec for the foreseeable future, unless something seismic happens in one of the other conferences will be the top dogs and they will get the majority of the shares in whatever size playoff there is. And What's interesting to me is I, I just don't know what the point is of expanding from 12 to 14 or 16. 14 makes no sense. Show me the bracket on the 14 team playoff that makes sense. I, I That just, it's not I, if, it, if it lands on 14, that's just going to be so confusing for the average fan. And 16 takes away, 16 truly would take away the meaning of the regular season because then you are literally just playing for seeding. There's no buys involved. You might as well just get rid of conference championship games because those don't really matter anymore. And they're just going to be extra opportunities for injuries. And you're really just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I could say so many rant things about moving from to 14 or 16. I loved the expansion to 12. I'm very against moving to 14 or 16, especially if we do it before we've even seen 12 on the field. That's, that's my big issue, right? Is, 
Okay, we we go to 12. You say you're addressing the flaws in the current system. Hey, we agree. There are more teams that should be able to play for this, right? It's good for the game. It's good for the fans. Yes, it's good for the pocketbooks. We can all agree that that's part of it. But to me, getting games, playoff games on campus is such a massive win that I'm willing to at least ignore, plug plug my fingers in my ears and ignore the, the sound of the coins jingling in these conference pockets. But now you're telling me before we're even going to get to see this on the field that we might be going and altering the system all the more. To me, this is such a misstep by the playoff committee and by the league commissioners to even let this get out. If you're going to have the discussion behind closed doors, fine, have it. Uh, all for talking about new ideas, throwing out how we can continue to improve our game. But for this to come out and for it to be publicly addressed by Tony Petiti, by league officials, to me, this is truly a, hey, how much juice can we get out of the lemon while the getting's good, right? You haven't seen this 12-team format on the field, and suddenly now you're saying that, oh, but actually that might be enough, not enough. Now we have to go to 16 teams. To me, that is just the accountants looking at how much money they can possibly make and, uh, and, and you know, trying to cash in. A hundred percent. And I, they, again, there's so many things I could say about this. I, I really am concerned about the future of college football when it comes to the two most powerful people in Tony Petiti and uh, Greg Sankey. I, I really don't trust either of those guys, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I, I think that they are both way more, again, I, I don't know either of them personally, obviously, but their actions to me have shown that they're way more about the almighty dollar than what's good for the whole of college football. And I think that's a operation system that it's been there, but not to this extent, right? There was, there did in the past seem to be this gentleman's agreement between the conferences to do obviously look out for yourselves and obviously look out for your member institutions first and try to get the most that you can, but also worry about, what's good for the game as a whole. I think that there was that, that seemed to be that gentleman's agreement a generation ago in college football. And it just seems like that is completely gone. And again, Tony Petiti complaining about his conference being huge and not having enough proportional access. No one asked you to do that. No one asked you to take <laughs> over half the pac 12 and get your conference called the big 10 to 18 teams. No 0.0% of people, including in your own constituency, from a fan standpoint, were asking you to do that. Right. It really, to me, it, <laughs> it feels like the mead packing industry of the 1800s, where all of a sudden we're complaining about labor laws. Late, what? Labor laws? We don't need those. Well, hey, man, listen, like nobody asked you to work people 16 hours a day and put up 13 new factories in one city last year alone. Like a lot of these just seem like, spreading too far too fast and listen before anyone takes a clip and says oh well the three tech pod are you know anti-business anti-capitalism it's not true both trey and i are in leadership roles in businesses that are you know intent on making money right like we gotta come out yeah we we gotta keep uh (laughs) we gotta keep the lights on but when it comes to uh, there is a crossover point where making money is great, but making money at the expense of the health of the organization or the industry that you're in, like ultimately history tells us that's a short, 
short-lived road, right? And we as college football fans are ultimately concerned about the direction that the game is headed. Now with, you know, a union getting involved in Dartmouth and players maybe on the verge of becoming employees, like the college game, quote unquote, that we all fell in love with, the amateurism, that's been gone for a long time. That's not coming back anytime soon. But I think turning this into a full-fledged professional organization, the way that some of these commissioners are running it, I'm very, very concerned about losing any sanctity, any tradition that we've had in college athletics. Well, what annoys me is they try to play on our emotions of that tradition and of that sanctity while also trying to do the complete business thing, right? If you're going to do that, just completely turn it into a business, make it NFL light, make it the top 32 teams or whatever you're going to do and just have a collective bargaining agreement with those 32 and just call it a day. Stop playing with our emotions and trying to play off of our sense of tradition and pageantry while also trying to just take every single cent that you can out of our pocketbooks. Like it's just, it's annoying to me. I feel like there's a Taylor Swift song uh, that you could could apply. Yeah, we are, we are right there on the edge. All right, let's wrap it there. Uh, Great discussion. Uh, Like I said, Trey's going to be posting his research over on uh, our Twitter page at three tech pod. Join one of the, I think 650 people that follow us over there. We continue to grow all the time. Our audience is well over 2000 people, which is really, really cool. We'd love to have you be a part of the Jimmy's and the Joe's. If you'd like to subscribe to us for free, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you get your college football content, we're there pumping it out all off season long. Uh, Combine NFL draft combine is this week. We'll be rolling out some draft content this week, as well as getting into more mock drafts as well for Trey Reeves. I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging out with us until next time. So long, everybody.